Welcome to Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. We continue our series on racism in Mendocino County, California. Our guest is Mendocino County Deputy Sheriff Oral Massey, who, for the past 20 years, has been the only black law enforcement officer ever in the history of this county. A native of South Carolina, Deputy Massey was a 21-year veteran of the United States Marine Corps assigned to the Foreign Service Embassy detail before he came to Mendocino County. In part one, which you may hear at radiocurious.org, Deputy Massey describes some people's reactions to him while he is on duty. In this, part two, recorded on February 1st, 2015, in the Radio Curious studios, we begin with his personal response when asked, what is it like to be the only black deputy sheriff ever in the history of Mendocino County? Later in this program, he shares stories about his off-duty life, his goals and aspirations. I could sit here and talk about my experience for the next week about all the, well, there have been some positive things, but the negative things are right there along with it. So I said to you, uh, if you really want to have some idea of what it's like to be a black deputy in Mendocino County, first watch the movie Blazing Saddles because it dealt with a, uh, they needed a new sheriff and uh, the sheriff that they sent was a black man into a small community and everything went totally awry. So they would give him a good point to start and, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a comedy, but a lot of the, uh, the uh, things that occur in that movie relates to me. And I remember asking, how could a person like Mel Brooks have the insight of all of these things, how it pertains to a minority? I, I was asked her more than one time, how is that possible for him to know how to portray a bond, a big screen? The, we're talking about the intellect. We're talking about how a, a, uh, someone would act when you introduce a, a, a sheriff that is black into a community like that. And then I found out that he had received uh, information who had, I think, co-wrote it with him, a person of color that has actually experienced those type of things. So it was actually the person of color that had given Mel Brooks the insight of what it's like. You know, you're visible enough as, you know, as a law enforcement officer in uniform, but triple that when you are the only minority in a uniform and see how that works. And there are two ways probably you can resolve that. One is you can hire more minorities or not hire minorities at all. That would probably resolve the issue. And I often thought I'd juggle that back and forth. Either you can hire more minorities or not hire any at all. And I... This is, I personally believe that uh, 
probably from years to come. I doubt if you'll see another minority like me in a place like this. That is my personal uh, belief. So essentially what you're saying brings us to what sometimes has been called institutional racism. If black public safety officers are not hired in this community, that seems to me to institutionalize it further. I think that um, black minorities, uh, especially in in places like uh, Mendocino County, uh, only um, perpetuate what continues to uh, be present and it will extend probably into the next generation, generation, generation. I highly, highly believe that uh, you're going to see all the change for his uh, racism. I don't see any change in that in the very near future. I really don't. Because it's passed on from uh, generation to generation, notwithstanding the theoretical freedom of movement and the civil rights laws. I think... uh, uh, when you have a small community such as uh, this one, there are things that is very, very difficult to change. And I think in small communities, you know, people are hired based upon who you know, uh, friends, and all those type of things. And people want people to work with them who are just like them or represent them. That's what it seems to be. You know, uh, you know, you don't want all of this diversity. It only uh, create issues and all of that. It is people working in a place like this that can relate to one another, have the same background, same color of skin, and those type of things. Same religion, same political philosophy. Absolutely. This is a perfect example. And you can... Look across the board here, and you can. And I will be challenged for someone to tell me how many African Americans you see working in these places around here. It's not that many at all. Knowing what you know now, Oral Massey, would you have uh, started here 20 some years ago? Started I, your work in public safety? I can. Uh, unequivocally say that if I knew then what I know now, I would uh, I would never work in Mendocino County. Never. And I know that when I started and these complaints, complaints, complaints about me and how I treat people and all of this, you know, I went to um, how to communicate school. I record and played my voice back and done every single thing under the sun to try to get along with individuals here and it does not work. Uh, They still complain. And my friends uh, that work with me that um, has witnessed the things that goes on in a lot of cases have told me numerous times, how can you possibly function in Mendocino County with your job. How could you possibly do what you do? I would leave a long time ago what they told me. You should leave out of this place. And my response was, I will leave when I'm ready to leave and I will not get forced out by the bigotry and the racism. 
So it would be my decision to leave and it would not be based upon all the racial discrimination and the name calling and all those type of things that does, that's being bestowed upon me. Uh, my peers, I don't think of anybody in the sheriff's office I don't get along with when I go to work. So I'm not talking about the people in the sheriff's office calling me all these names and all of that. Um, a lot of them have been very supportive in me and um, and what I do. And there are some that actually say that they understand what I've gone to. And there are some that actually will come to my defense, which they had to in, in several occasions when uh, people were calling me names or uh, and you know, especially in when I go into the county jail and uh, just the other day I was there and one guy must have called me the N-word 50 times. And I happened to uh, have a recording of it and because I was in there to interview someone and had my recorder on. And he was screaming to the top of his voice, the N-word, the N-word, the N-word, over and over and over again until one of the, uh, the deputies there told him to shut his mouth. And he still didn't shut up. So what do you do when that happens? A lot of contact I have with people, they have heard things about me and they actually believe it. And I've had person, many that have said to me, I don't want to deal with you because I've heard about you. Call out a white deputy. You know, I've been told that. Uh, I don't deal very well with Afro-Americans law enforcement. Uh, I mean, over and over again, you go, it is totally amazing. I... If someone says to me, I don't deal very well with Afro-American, what I did in this particular case, I said, you know what? I'm a law enforcement officer just like anyone else, and you're going to really have to try to uh, put your prejudice aside because uh, there is an opportunity here, a possibility that I could incarcerate you. And if I need to get help to do that, I will. And normally persons are like retract a little bit and, and, and deal with me. But they were not very happy at all. And then, of course, this person goes and says, this is what Deputy Massey did. And, and then next thing you know, 10 other people know. And, and when I get around to the next person, well, I heard about you and all the things, what you did to my friends and all of that. Uh, and, you, and, and you often hear, this is how I treated this individual. But they never say how badly they treated the deputy. They never say that this is what they did to him. But if I say, put your hands where I can see them or remove your hands from your pocket, it becomes a major problem with a lot of people whereby other people in my position or my peers can say much worse things and absolutely nothing will happen. But it become a major problem when I say things like, Take your hands out of your pocket. Keep your hands where I can see them or walk in front of my vehicle where I can keep an eye on you. And uh, there are all types of um, catch words that people will use. And this is an example is that there was an article in the paper one time that uh, some lady said that I stopped her. And the word that she used was that I hoard her out of the car in front of the headlights. <laughs> what does that mean? I probably asked her, can you step out of the vehicle and probably asked her to move out of the road or something. But these are all these catch words to, to describe how I hoarded them or blinded them with the spotlight and all of these type of things. Uh, it is totally amazing. And then 
I'm scrambling now trying to find a tape or a recording or something so they can see exactly what I did. I At one time, I had a, a bag that weighed 40 pounds full of tapes that I tried to record every single thing that happened for my protection. And I have to say very honestly now that my going out onto the street without my two recorders and my iCop working or something, I feel pretty naked. I feel totally unsecure, insecure going out and doing things like that because I know uh, I can smile, I can do this and I can do that. And next thing I know, there's someone's complaining on me and I need to justify or I need to come up with some type of proof that this, that this did not happen. Our guest in this edition of Radio Curious is Mendocino County, California, Deputy Sheriff Oral Massey, the only black person to ever serve in that capacity in this county. I'm Barry Vogel. It seems to me, and I'd, I'd like your comment, that notwithstanding all of these complaints that you've mentioned that have been directed at you, um, you're still on the police force. That's a comment um, on the uh, truth or the validity of the complaints. Well, I, um, in my career, I have not heard nor have anything been proven, uh, in fact, of all of these complaints. I can't think of one complaint that has been proven against me. But, you know, that's the channel for the, the citizen. And, uh, you know, they have a right to make a complaint. And, uh, you know, if you have an IA, internal investigation, rec- uh, because of that, uh, you know, uh, you're a law enforcement officer and there are certain, you know, you, they, you have to be able to withstand certain type of criticism. I mean, somebody call your names and all that, that's expected that people are going to call your names. They're going to make remarks about you and all of those type of things. It's just that uh, depending on who you are, you know, uh, people make more remarks about you and say more things about you. Um, I remember um, there was a white deputy who said that he started getting complaints because he got his all of his hair cut off. He had a bald head, and people started calling in and saying that he was a skinhead and those, those type of things. And I remember one deputy telling me he started getting complaints because he had tattoos on his arm. So he was able to wear a long sleeve shirt, and the other guy wore a stocking cap. And the complaints stopped. Me, uh, you know, I'm stuck here with the. Uh, I can't take off my skin. You are who you are, and you're I'm, proud of it. I am who I am. Very proud of who I am, and uh, I don't plan on trying to uh, change who I am. Good, because I think uh, I believe I'm a very fair person. I believe in treating everybody fairly. And if people have a problem with me, then I guess they have a problem with me. And hopefully they'll get over it. Hopefully they will get over it. But there's a lot of positive things that's happened to me also. You know, it's not all negativity. Uh, you know, I've enjoyed the people that I work with. I enjoy my job. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy being a law enforcement officer. And everyone has not been totally uh, negative toward me. There's some people that have been very, you know, they accepted me full heartedly, um, supported me, and, and all of that. Um, and um, I hold those individuals dear to my heart. But there are a an abundance of people uh, in the community 
that has not and probably will never accept a minority uh, deputy. It's not you, it's them, and not the way you phrased it, a minority deputy as opposed to Oral Massey. I think they're the one that had a problem. If uh, they can't resolve that, uh, you know, all the black people are not going to go away. Who knows when another uh, minority deputy will come along? Oral Massey, in, in your role as a deputy sheriff in Mendocino County, could you share with us your thoughts about Ferguson, Missouri, and what happened there? Well, I, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't know all the details. Oh, if I had to comment on what I've heard, it, it would be, um, you know, as a law enforcement officer, I know I've come into situations where the police might ask you to do something. Now, if you have a mindset of you hate the police in the first place, uh, then it becomes difficult for you to follow a lawful direction from, from the police. And I guess the first comment I would make was that I heard that the police asked the individual who were walking in the street to move out of the street. That's what I heard. And to me, I've experienced many of the same things. And I know that if you ask someone, hey, uh, do you mind moving out of the street? Uh, you might get run over or something. The simplest thing for the person to do is just to move out of the street. That would be the simplest thing to do. And I didn't hear that much about why didn't the person just move out of the street if the police asked them to move out of the street? Um, I didn't hear that much about uh, about that. Now, a wise police officer probably would have said, hey, um, you know, the person is walking in the street uh, might have just drove on by, just driven on by and and not said anything else at all and problem gone, problem solved or whatever. However, when you're in a um, position as a law enforcement officer and you ask someone to do something that is lawful and reasonable, you expect the person to do it. And sometimes it explodes into a situation that gets out of control. Now, how does that filter in with preconceived notions and all of that? You know, I don't know if the the officer uh, have preconceived notions about black people. I don't know if he was afraid of black people. I, you know, I just don't know those type of things. Uh, was there anything else he could have done less than using lethal force? And what was the responsibility of the individual, or the black person that got killed? I would think that is very unfortunate. Uh, I just don't know enough about the entire situation to come up with some type of, uh, you know, uh, strict answer of what really took place. But I know that the incident was totally unfortunate and maybe something less than lethal force could have been done other than shooting the individual. That's my thought. Would your thought be essentially the same for the um, man in New York City on Staten Island the and the T-shirt, I can't breathe? My thought on that is there were numerous policemen standing around the individual. And if the officer that choked him, if it was against the police policy not to use the chokehold, because chokehold 
uh, administered inappropriately or not properly can kill a person. It is, you know, it's kind of straightforward. If your policy tells you don't choke someone, and if you choke someone, and if that is the cause of the uh, of the death, then there should be accountability. Uh, and I don't know was the chokeholds the absolute thing that ended the individual's life. You know, I you know I only go by what I've what I've heard. But policies are policies, and if you violate policies, whether they're in the company or whether it's in the police or whether it's in the military, you know, you have to be held accountable for violating rules and regulations and policies. That's the way that uh, you have a functioning uh, police or functioning government or, or whatever it might be. Well, Oral Massey, how do the deaths of these two black men make you feel? Well, I, uh, I watch the news and I see, um, you know, people of color that are getting killed. Now, and I often think to myself, the news, you have to be very careful about the news because news, they like to get their ratings and are they rushing this, the minority killings to the front page in order to, uh, facilitate their rating or there are other people that are non-minority also getting killed uh, along the same, uh, about the same way. Maybe they are only showing the minority that is getting killed because it excites the public and all of that or other people, you know, losing their lives uh, uh, along the same route or, uh, or, or the same way is what they really need to take a look at. But, you know, race is a uh, igniter in our society. And, you know, if race can be drug into it because of a police action or something like that, and then it's normally uh, broadcast, uh, the headline news and all of that, because, like I said, it is just a, uh, a powder cake. It uh, excites people and gives people reasons to protest and, and all of these type of things. So I'd like to take a look at the overall picture. When you're living your life and not answering questions in a dialogue like this, what excites you? What are you curious about? Well, believe it or not, I'm actually an artist. I like to paint. And I have uh, painted or sketched several pictures recently. In fact, uh, I received an art scholarship at one point in time to attend a uh, a university back in uh back in South Carolina. And uh, so I like to dabble in the paint. And uh, I am, um, and I also like to, uh, I'm into exercising. I like to run, I like to lift weights, and I do like to engage in uh, physical things. Um, I'm not too much of a swimmer, but I do like to run and lift weights and, and occasionally walk into the woods. Well, Laurel Massey, I want to thank you for being with us on Radio Curious. And I think what you're saying is very important to be heard here and to be heard nationwide. And before we close, is there an aha or a eureka moment in your life that you could share with us? 
ideas that you live by, something that changed your course of how you see the world? Well, I see the world as a as a wonderful place, and I know that uh, people are basically good. They are more good people than they're they are bad people, and I really don't uh, base the way I feel about the entire world upon the ignorance and the racism of a few. And I always try to keep a very positive attitude, and I've had this attitude that I can do a lot of things in this world, uh, the positive things. And I am a very optimistic person, and I try to be the best that I can be. And I don't accept no for an answer. So with that mindset, uh, I have been able to be a very successful person. And uh, I continue to uh, try to be the best that I can. And I do try to talk to people and educate them. And hopefully I'll be able to uh, change the world just a little bit. What would you like to do with the remainder of your one precious life? You know, I um, I really like to write a book or something. And I would like to talk publicly to people. And maybe um, I can make the world a better place. Speaking of books, is there a book that you could recommend to our listeners? There's a book I recently read called The, the Code Talkers. It's it hinged upon some of the things that I'm talking about today. It dealt with the Native Americans and how they were treated at one point in time and how they were so valuable at one point in time when they were used in the war. And they had this language that they used so the enemy had a very difficult time or they could not break the code. So they were very valuable. But there's one salient moment that stuck out in my mind is that while these code talk was very important during the war, when they got out of the war, they came back home, and one of the individuals in that book said he went to a bar to get a drink, and the bartender told him, we don't want no Indians in here, and he got beaten up very badly, and they threw him out into the street. He had almost gotten killed a couple times in the war, but he came back home, and he wasn't allowed to go into the bar to get a drink. So it was a very good book. It very much related to... Uh, some of the things that I've experienced as a minority. Oral Massey, thank you very much for being with us on Radio Curious. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thank you. This has been the second part of our visit with Oral Massey, the only black deputy sheriff in the history of Mendocino County, California. Part one is available at radiocurious.org. The book Deputy Massey recommends is Code Talker, the first and only memoir by one of the original Navajo Code Talkers of World War II by Chester Nez and Judith Scheiss Avila. This program was recorded on February 1, 2015.
Radio Curious has over 600 archive editions on our website, radiocurious.org, with new editions published regularly. You may stream, download, subscribe to our podcast service, and share them as you wish. They're all free. We appreciate your thoughts, ideas, and comments about our programs and enjoy hearing from you. The email is curious at radiocurious.org. The phone is 707-462-6541. And the address is 280 North Oak Street, Ukiah, U-K-I-A-H, California, 95482. Christina Onestead and Yuko Kodama are the assistant producers. I'm host and producer Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening.